book angel thank you so much for coming on to the podcast welcome <laughs> right on my friend <laughs> look at us we look like brothers <laughs> but i used to be a lady <laughs> we have strikingly similar beards we totally do it's awesome absolutely uh, we always ask what's the crack book right but before i ask you what's the crack i felt the need to just have a little a little bit just before we start this conversation because i think people listening might feel a bit nervous maybe or they, they don't know so i just wanted to say this i said i want to thank you for your commitment to self-acceptance i want this podcast to serve as an insightful conversation with a transgender tra or transsexual person for listeners who may not have had the chance to or paints all transgender and transsexual people with the same brush i also wish this conversation to act as inspiration for every listener including myself who struggle with full comprehensive self-acceptance and self-love we truly ask book on because of his remarkable story of self-love, which I think can inspire all of us, as well as to chat about the lack of healthy dialogue between the transgender community and the mainstream, as well as within the transgender community. We hope that every listener respects our pure intentions and is by no means an attempt to belittle, belittle any person. The earthly delights dreams of a world where everyone loves themselves and where communication can thrive between people. And I personally believe that the more we love ourselves, the more we can love others. Well, I just wanted to say this before we dive in. So thanks so much, Brooke. I'm like, I really appreciate oh, all your work. That, actually, <laughs> you're going to make me cry. <laughs> no, because that's actually why I'm here. I'm here for that exact reason. We got to have conversation, my friend. Totally. And it's the way the world, we need to heal. We're not healed. We're hating each other. Yes. I'm not cool. We, you're, you know, this side is hating that side and I'm not cool with it. So that's a beautiful statement. I appreciate that very much. No, thank you. And yeah, I'm just real grateful that you're coming on and, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So before before we get into the 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 nuts and bolts, we asked what's the crack, which is like, how are you keeping in Ireland? Like, what what's up with you lately? How are you keeping? How's the crack? That's hilarious. So I'm good, except for after COVID. You know, it's been a bit intense here in uh, the United States. We're a little bit out of control. But other than that, I've just been, you know, I've been staying safe, really focusing on my work, really getting, really trying to put my voice out there bigger in, in an arena where I feel conversation is lacking. So other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I have an awesome life. I am not complaining about anything. I'm very blessed on many levels. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I sense just a, a such a strong level of gratitude coming your like coming from you. Yeah. yeah, it's why I cry all the time because I can't even believe I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I believe in suffering on some level. Like I suffered a lot, and because of my suffering, you know, I appreciate everything I have in the world. That's why you can't you can't worry about whether or not someone's going to suffer in a, at an early spot in their life and then and then worry about all those things because the suffering creates a strong person on some level it really does and i mm. believe that my suffering created my gratitude for life at such a level that i just can't every day i wake up i'm like wow i woke up that's awesome mm. yeah no it, yeah. it reminds me of a little uh quote that i always hear like hard times make hard people you know and soft times make soft people and i think uh that that kind of personal strength I think we all have it on different levels, uh, or at least the vast majority of us yeah. do. And I think if you can get through that, then like I, it definitely is. I mean, in my own experience, it's character building, like truly it is. Um, I, we said before the podcast, um, and I just wanted to kind of reiterate this for the for our listeners, that like uh, I think a lot of people think they may know a lot about this subject, or maybe they don't. Uh, and maybe a lot of people just know that they don't know a lot. 
like myself. So we're going to ask, well, I'm going to ask um, some, what may, some people may perceive as like silly questions or simple questions, but I think it's important kind of to set the framework out there and not just assume that first of all, Jim and I know what, you know, some of these things, the answer to some of these questions and not assume that the listeners know because there it's easy to get lost in the weeds in this, in this conversation. Um, so, so before we kind of get into like your own personal story, I wanted to ask, um, what the difference is between the definitions of transgender and transsexual, because I know I've only recently found out actually that some people can get offended if you use transsexual in the wrong way and vice versa. (laughs) And I always just assumed that they were interchangeable terms. That's right. So of course, my friend, (laughs) the new trans community gets offended at everything. So that and I can speak like this. So if anybody out there is listening, you might be offended by what I'm about to say, you must understand, I'm 58 years old, I transitioned 26 years ago, I've seen a lot. That being said, so there's a difference between a transsexual person and a transgender person. There never was that difference before. This only happened within the last five to 10 years. And what happened was transgender became an umbrella term for people who identify with different types of gender, right? So that could be non-binary, gender non-conforming, even a person like myself. But a transsexual person is com- one thing and one thing only. It's somebody who has basically what I like to use old school language, a sex change. So for me, using myself as an example, I was born female, biologically female. I always felt like a dude. I wanted to be a dude. So what I had was a transition using medical intervention, and I had my breasts removed. I used testosterone to masculinize myself. So a transsexual person is somebody who wants to go from being a woman to a man or a man to a woman, and that means they want to present that into the world using medical assistance, and they have what's called gender dysphoria. So transgender is an umbrella term that fits into a space where people identify as trans. I don't identify as trans. I identify as a man because I had a sex change to live my life as male. So does that, I hope that makes kind of sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's perfect, actually. That's really kind of cleared it up. And just, just to put in book, for people who are saying, what, what's gender dysphoria? Can, can you tell us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So gender dysphoria is a way that you do not feel so so to make it sort of like in a in a, in a layman's term or a term people can understand there. It's people who don't feel the gender or the sex that they were born in. So I never felt gender dysphoria is because I never felt like a woman. I felt like a boy or a man, whatever that means. We can get real deep here. I can't tell you what that means only for myself. I just did not feel like being a girl or felt possible to live the world that way. Gender dysphoria is when you just I feel not not connected to your gender you were born in. So for you guys, you guys feel like dudes, you were born dudes, you are dudes. That's you have no gender dysphoria. I never felt like a woman didn't wasn't comfortable that way. I felt like a dude. So that's right now I have gender dysphoria. Thanks for clearing that up book. Um, Obviously this is always the most difficult question on the podcast and it's for people who may not be familiar with book angel. Could you tell us a bit about yourself? (laughs) <laughs> yeah right on so sit out everybody <laughs> here it comes <laughs> and don't tell your mom about me <laughs> so, so but i i basically i started in pornography 20 uh 21 years ago i created the genre my claim to fame i created the genre of pornography for trans men uh 21 years ago and through that i sort of just became known in the world as the man with the vagina because i don't have bottom surgery so that was sort of like my deep 
deal in the porn world. And I was exposing myself to the world in a way that, you know, gave me a platform. And then from that, I got just asked to start speaking places. And then from there, I started really becoming a huge public or motivational speaker. And then from that, I just started creating products for the trans community. So I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm a guy who started in porn, who now is a speaker and an educator and really creates products for my community in order to help them, you know, feel comfortable in our, in our bodies because our bodies are not normal, you know, male and female bodies. So in a nutshell, that's kind of who I am. Great. Thanks. And I, I want to get back to your later work uh, towards the end, but I guess I'd want to know now, can you tell us about your childhood? Um, what was it like? And at what point were you able to kind of decipher that? Yeah. Like this isn't just like a, I don't, this isn't how I look and how I feel are two different things. Right, right. So again, I was, I'm 58. I was born in the 60s and here in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. And so really back in the seven, you know, growing up in the 70s and the 60s, I was just a little tomboy. I don't know if that's what they call it over there. But, you know, a little girl that looks like a little boy and wants to play with trucks and the boys. That was me. And everyone just let me do that. It was not a big deal. I was little buck and everyone knew it. And, you know, I can only tell you that I had a great childhood. I did not have a bad childhood. My parents were super chill about me being the little boy. No one made a big deal out of it. Everyone and just let me be. The problems which arise with every human being on the face of the earth is puberty. This is not relegated to just trans people. <laughs> Everyone suffers in puberty. Women probably, I would say, suffer a little bit more than men on some level. Uh, so I suffer because, I, and I got, I, I went through puberty late. So, which means 16 years old as a girl is kind of late to start really growing my breasts and then the men's, you know, period. I got my period and I felt like a dude on my period. That was just all hell broke loose for me. I ended up, you know, becoming a really bad alcoholic and a cutter and just really not focused on life. And no one could help me back in the day because nobody had tools to talk about trans or any of that kind of stuff. So I suffered, you know, I, I, I became a gay woman. I went there because I was very butch and I just tried to keep finding my space and I couldn't find it until eventually, you know, I became homeless. I became a drug addict. I was prostituting on the street as a boy. Like it's amazing. That's why I tell you, <laughs> I cannot believe I'm alive. If it's when I tell you my story, I'm like, is that actually my story? Because it just seems so insane. And from from homelessness to drug addiction to everything you can imagine, it's just insane. And then I, I got off the streets and got sober. And through that, my eyes opened. And so you have to remember when I transitioned 26 years ago, there was no internet. So I couldn't even like Google, you know, transition or trans, what, you know, a lot of people have the privilege to do today. I didn't have that. And I had to go to bookstores. And there I found a pamphlet with doctor's names in it. And I went to a doctor here who does um, hormone replacement for trans women, and he said he could help me, but I would be his guinea pig, which is basically an experiment. And so I am an actual experiment. And so from that, we started that, and then I found a doctor to do my top surgery who had never done it before. And I went to him. He basically said the same thing. I've never done this before. <laughs> We're going to try it out. So I just have to tell everyone here that my my mantra in my life back in the day was, if it doesn't work out, I'll just kill myself. I said it all the time, step through step of my transition. If it doesn't work out, I'll kill myself until I finally got to a space where that left my mind. And so it did save my life. This transition 100% saved my life, but I struggled to get to this space. And um, so pretty much that in a nutshell, again, that that's my story and why I'm here today is because I got to transition to physically look male and walk the world that way.
I mean, that's pretty uh, like an amazing story, and you've done real well just to sum that up pretty quickly there. Um, but I, I want <laughs> I want to ask like the impossible question, or I feel like it's the impossible question because I haven't. I try to be like as empathetic as I possibly can and put myself in like a trans person's shoes, and I just like for the life of me, I can't like imagine what it is to be born, you know, f- biologically speaking, as a male, and like to feel female like to feel like no this isn't my body like i it got mixed up there like i should have been given a female body because i can understand like you like you said the tomboy thing that definitely exists in the uk where you have maybe some male traits you know i've got friends that are females that they don't really like them doing makeup or you know they're like they're more sporty and so on so they would kind of be classed as a tomboy but they're definitely female there's no, no kind of notion of oh no i think i should have a male's body and I just can't like I've tried and tried to like wrap my head around it, but obviously for someone like myself, it just it feels impossible to do that. And I was wondering like if you could kind of make that journey for me and and I guess our listeners uh, possible. Like how 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 number one, how much discombobulating must that feeling be to be like what? And then like how does how did you actually come to understand that you were trans? And like you said, for example, you weren't just a gay woman or a butch woman or something. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, you know, it's a brilliant question you just asked because I think a lot of people feel like you. They just can't understand uh, wanting to be the other gender. They don't understand. But that's the key right there is that you don't need to understand and you'll never understand. It's like with any situation. I don't know what it means to live as a black person in this country, yet I have to have compassion for that because clearly black people in America are being slaughtered. And so if I didn't have compassion for it, it means that I don't care. So that's the first thing I want to say about my situation and many situations of other trans people, you don't necessarily have to understand it. You just have to understand that it it is something that we suffer from. And so going forward for me, for, for us, and again, I like to only use myself because I don't want to speak for anybody else in the community, but that being said, for me, I just could always feel in my heart, in my mind, in my body, and I can't equate it to anything else. So something that you just want to be like, let's say you just really want to be a lawyer and it's just so deep inside of you and you just have to achieve that. I have to achieve looking male because I can and I could not walk the world looking female because that's what I would get. So every day I walked on the street, people would see me as a woman, right? When I'm like inside, I'm like, no, you guys, I'm a dude. But we always need to remember this. People always go with visuals. So if I didn't look like this, nobody would call me he today. If I still look like I did before, people are going to call me she. That's okay. And that's the problem here that's happening in our community is that people see some people not doing what I did right? They're not transitioning physically. They're just saying their pronouns are male or female, yet they don't look male or female. So it's hard for the world to say, hey, Bobby, now you're Susie, but I still see Bobby. And that fucks with my head because I want to call you he. And I don't mean it in any disrespect. I just see a woman. I'm a man. I don't see a woman. This is where we need to have the conversation because you'll never understand. I can can sit here and tell you daily how I felt, but you will not understand it. So we need to come to this place where we need to start to tell people, you don't need to understand it. You just need to have compassion for it. But On the flip side of that, I also understand why people have a hard time with pronouns with people who don't physically look male or female. 
And not to say that it's okay, it's just the reality. We we need to be we need to get back to reality here. <laughs> we're we're not living in a reality space if we expect everybody to use everybody's pronouns and understand when you walk into a room that you must know everybody's pronouns. That will never happen ever on the face of this earth. And so we're hurting ourselves by putting ourselves into these weird spaces to assume that people understand us or 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 have to understand us. Nobody has to do anything that I want to do. And that's where we have to learn to sort of move around the world, right? Because people aren't going to like you two guys. There might be some things you say that people hate. Are you going to have them in your life? No, you're not. You're going to go around them and find the other people who want to listen to your podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah, sure. I, and um, you said, I mean, you said that you're born in the 60s, right? You didn't have, like, for example, mm-hmm. someone probably like you to look up to and be like, hey, look, that's the example. You didn't have internet to kind of try and find your community and everything else. And, I mean, thank God you said you had, like, a real good childhood. But, I mean, um, how was it when you were kind of real, like, when you were growing up, kind of after puberty, say, like, in your mid-20s, <laughs> and you were coming to terms with with mm-hmm. this identity that you actually are trans? How Like, did people accept that readily, or was there a lot of backlash? How was that for you? Mm. Mm. Great question again. Uh, no, I got nailed. Okay, because remember, I was I did it here before anybody else. So when I was, my community was gay women. Okay, I was a very butch woman, but I always felt like a dude. And I would tell the girls I was dating, "You gotta call me he. I'm a dude. I'm you know." And and, and people were actually really respectful in the lesbian community. It wasn't until I said I'm gonna have a sex change that all my lesbian friends were like, basically go fuck yourself. You're a traitor. That's disgusting. You're going to become a man. I mean, I could go on and on. I got ostracized from my community because I was transitioning to a man and they didn't like it. The funny part of that story (laughs) is that 10, 15 years later, half of those women have contacted me to transition to become men. So, you know, on some level, I was really on the forefront of this whole transitioning thing. And it shows you that it really was deeply ingrained inside of me. And I need, I would not be here today. I will keep telling you that if I did not transition, but, it, but I, I was so kind of far, far ahead of what's happening today on some level that, you know, nobody could talk to me about it. Nobody even knew what it meant to be trans, especially for a woman. Okay. Remember, I'm a woman becoming a man. Most of the time you hear about men becoming women. Even today, you see more of that. But back in the day, we didn't talk about transitioning to a man. And it was kind of like something people didn't want to talk about, I think. Book, I have to ask because the the picture you're painting is really kind of me against the world. It sounds like it. I have to ask what helped you kind of cultivate this Uh, despite people saying this and that about me no i trust myself and yeah how did that start and how did it continue god i wish i could tell you because i'd make a billion dollars (laughs) 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 but that being said it really speaks volumes to survival and it speak to me my my space is a survival space and it still is and so i think when you realize the um I'm going to cry because these questions are deep for me because my life does mean a lot to me. And so Mm. I chose to survive. I I can always tell you that I I chose to survive because I think um, I really did like life, but there were the challenges to be a woman and want to be a man were so huge for me back in the day that I never thought I was going to achieve what I have today. So when I had the opportunity mm. to transition, I think 
I didn't even know what that meant. I'll be honest with you. Because again, remember, I had no internet. I did not get to see me. There was nobody like me before me. And there were, but they were hiding out. They weren't on the internet or, you know, there was no brothership between us because we just didn't meet each other. So, so that being said, I, I really believe that my survival instincts kicked in. And on some level, I'm, I, I really believe I'm supposed to be here as a voice. I mean, I can't really think of any other, and I know it sounds all woo woo <laughs> and it sounds all like, woo, yeah, sure. The universe put you here, dude. But that being said, I cannot think of any other means or reason why I've survived for so long and why I have a tough skin that I know 100% I know during this whole woke movement, this whole cancel culture, this whole people come after me daily. But for some reason it does, it makes me even more powerful on some level. And it's given me these skills to know that people instill fear in all of us, you know, and I had fear of, I think I had fear for a long time of living life. And once I started to realize the survival techniques and realize that I can be, that just turned my whole space around and realized that I can be whatever I want, no matter what anybody else says. That's why the woke generation and the council culture don't bother me <laughs> because I came from hell and back. And so you can't fuck with a person like me because I really grew a thick skin from it. But I, uh, to answer the question directly, I, I do think it comes from my space of, of struggle and my space of surviving. And it give, it really gave me a big push. I, I wonder, you said as well beforehand how, um, like you always said, oh, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just like kill myself. And this is going to sound um, a kind of a bit paradoxical. And I wish I could credit the person that I heard this from. But um, they were arguing, like a philosopher, I can't remember his name, the life of me, but um, they were arguing that basically death or the thought of death uh, can be liberating. And it doesn't always have to be something that's fearful. Um, and that when you realize that like nothing can possibly be worse than death, then it actually liberates you to try to, to do these things, whether it can be, oh no, in your case, it's a very extreme case, but for some people it might be changing a job or getting out of a bad relationship or moving to a different country or whatever. And once they kind of realize, well, the absolute worst case scenario is death and this isn't going to be that bad. Let me go do it. Do you know what I mean? Because there's, what else have I got to lose type deal? Yeah. Then that can, so was that, because I know when you said it, it when you said like, yeah. oh, if this doesn't work out, I'll kill myself. It sounds like very almost like, oh, that's real depressive. But maybe I wonder if there was almost like a slight positivity to that thought process in a weird kind of roundabout way. No, that's a really great way to put it. And that's exactly right. Because I knew that I always had an out. I always had an out. And so it on some level, it did give me this power to just push through because I always knew, hey, fuck it, man, if it doesn't work out, I'll just fucking off myself. And who cares? So you're right. That statement is very powerful and very true. I think when you realize death is not a bad thing, or death could just be a means to a way of that, it, it makes you not fearful of pretty much anything. I'm not fearful of death at all because I came from death. <laughs> so I'm just not fearful of it. I'm not, I don't have a lot of fear in my body. And I think that also comes from living authentically, living in a space that I don't care what people think about me, living in a space where I create my own world, I create my own space. And then once you understand that you can do that, you just don't have that fear that seems to resonate a lot today in people. There's a lot of fear out there. And I wonder as well, um, because you said about like the surgeries and how like you almost like this guinea pig. And I mean, the surgeries that you're going through and that any person transitioning, I mean, they're no joke. It's not like you're fixing a broken nose. I mean, this is serious stuff here. Um, regardless of if your doctors had like, 
years and years of experience where it's the first one it's serious how, like how did that feel to be like oh i'm like i'm literally the guinea pig i mean this is the first time this guy has ever done this like, i mean i don't understand i don't know how you could even get your head around that because if someone said that to me i feel like i would just run a mile and i'd be like right see you later you can practice on someone else and then let me know how it goes do you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, totally, dude. Well, I didn't have a choice, so let's just start there. I had no choice. I was I was actually in a space where it was like it was the only doctor I knew, the only doctor that could take me. I could not live female anymore. It was I was set at my wits end. You know, I had a therapist at the time who really helped me kind of find this space, and she had no tools either. So together we were doing something completely, totally so insane, so insane back in the day. It was like, who does this and why? So when I found that doctor and he was honest, he was, I'll never forget, he was like 80. He was old and like on a on a on a cane and like he was just like i've been doing this for 30 years and i've been doing it with male to females and i never touched a female to male but hey buddy if you want to do this <laughs> you're gonna be my guinea pig so it was all kind of just like this whole space where i realized again the mantra came in if it doesn't work out i'll kill myself just you know if it doesn't work out i'll drink a pepsi so it, it was just that nonchalant of a space but I knew that I I just knew even though I didn't know what how it was going to happen there's just you know we all know we can all relate to sometimes you have that gut feeling you have that instinct you just know that if you don't do it or if you do do it that it's you're going to make a mistake so that was really where my mindset was I didn't have another option and I had to kind right, of go right. for it just to see what was going to happen yeah, I get you. And just before Jim comes out, I just want this one little question that I just wanted to ask. You've said, like in some of your videos, and I think you've actually already said it in the podcast, I believe, that you have you've had top surgery, but you haven't had bottom. And again, maybe this is just ignorant of me, but I just kind of assumed that when you said you transitioned, that you would have had both. And I think the reason I like kind of questioned myself as to why I assumed that, and I think the reason being is because obviously, like the penis and testicles literally they are the most masculine part of any guy's body right so and when i saw i mean when i first came across you on twitter i just thought you were kind of uh, like a social commentator i didn't realize that you had transitioned such as like how good how good you like <laughs> right transition like, there was no part of me that went oh yeah this guy he's clearly like was a female and now he's a male and i just thought that you and then it was only through like kind of research I was like oh shit this guy's actually transitioned then i found out you hadn't done bottom surgery and that kind of surprised me at and I guess part of it, I mean, I don't know if I'd ever want to do it if I was the guinea pig. So that kind of maybe is a bit of an explanation. But I wondered why <laughs> you hadn't kind of gone through that. Like how How is it that you're comfortable being a man? And like you said, a man with a vagina. Like how, how do you kind of tally those two things? Yeah, my God. yeah, another good question. <laughs> You're on a roll, dude. <laughs> so that that being said, so yeah, honestly, I didn't have an opportunity. There was no penis surgery back in the day. I wanted, oh my God, are you kidding me? I was thinking what I was going to pick out. <laughs> I was going to pick out the biggest one I could get. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? I was like, Wouldn't wait a minute, where are the balls? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you all would have been jealous of me. But <laughs> I didn't have the opportunity and it just wasn't there. And what I did see and again 
disclaimer here because of course somebody's going to get offended by what I'm saying even though it's my story disclaimer I'm not anti-bottom surgery I believe everyone should do whatever they need to do this is my story and why I choose not to get bottom surgery so there I just needed to say that that being said I chose not to get it because it wasn't what I wanted I want a functioning penis that got an erection that I could pee through that looked normal that I could have sex with blah 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 didn't exist they do this really insane surgery where they were taking my tendon out and they were taking skin they still do the surgeries. And I just felt it to be a little too risky. But here's the clincher. (laughs) You can lose your orgasm. And I'm like, what? And like, you might not get orgasms ever again. And I'm like, dude, you should have just told me that from the beginning. Because (laughs) once the orgasms are off the table, I don't need a penis that bad. So for me, it was, I wanted something that functioned and I wanted to still have sex and I still want to have orgasms. And so it was not an easy choice. Let me tell you guys, it was not an easy choice. But I just had to sit with myself and I had to realize that I have been dealt these deck of cards and how am I going to live my life? I'm not going to live my life for you because it's about you guys. It's about everyone wants me to have a penis because then I'm totally male. And so I realized, wait a minute, the world is telling me to get this penis and then I'm going to be a dude. And like, I'm like, no, man, I'm not going to be comfortable with it. I'm not going to dish out 70,000 US dollars to do this. That could possibly not work. And there's too many, there's just too many variables for me. And that was back in the day. They've definitely gotten much better. So you have to understand my time when I transitioned, it just wasn't around. It wasn't available to me. And I wasn't going to stop my life just because I have a vagina or whatever even that means, right? So I was going to I've been lucky enough to find people sexually who are very comfortable with me, who I'm always open about it, right? If I'm going to go home with you, I always state I used to be a woman and da 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 Some guys will be like, eh. Some ladies will be like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, it's a variable of people. And you just have to learn to live your life. And so I think keeping my vagina has been very powerful on some level and has given me another means and a way to talk about things that we don't talk about in the world. And so like, just because my body is different than your body doesn't necessarily not make me a dude too. So uh, I do think on some level, I was just kind of like dealt this body and how I have to deal with it. And so I've moved forward in the world and it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Well, hearing you say this kind of shouts at me, your ability to or the strength of connection you have with yourself like like you said so many regardless of what position we're at, we're in life so many of us can do something because generally people are expecting us to do this thing or people say that we should or they want us to do this and very often we do it we because oh why, why not or we don't have that strong connection with ourselves and it's really nice to hear that that you that you're in this very tiny minority of the population and then it, pretty much everyone's saying why don't you just do that why don't you just do that you say, well, actually, no. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I mean, it's a tough question, but I asked. Uh, you said that your therapist was very, very foundational and very fundamental for you, for your kind of mental health. C- can you talk me through, like, so moving from uh, the realization that you that you wanted the surgery, and then to after the surgery? Can you talk me through, like, your time with the therapist and? and kind of how your own mm-hmm. mental health even just evolved there. Great. 
Thank you. Thank you for even asking about my mental health. I'm huge about um, mental health. It's like the only reason I'm here is because I actually spent time with a therapist before I physically transitioned and I never have looked back. Today, I'm seeing a lot of kids looking back and thinking they're making the wrong choice after they went to a space where I'm at. That's not okay. I never have looked back for a reason because I took care of my mental health before I took care of my physical health. And if that really means a lot within this within this space of trans people, because because our transness is in our brains. It's not in our physical body so much. It's in our brains. It starts here. So if you're not, and I always use the example of a car, you're not going to just go buy some car and not drive it around and check it out and look at the engine and, you know, or, or let's say buy a used car, you're going to look at the engine first. You're not going to paint it, put new tires on it, put a, you know, upholstery on it, which is surgery. You got to take care of the engine first or when it, the engine conks out, I don't care how beautiful your car looks. <laughs> you're not going to be driving that car anymore so so i've had a therapist mm. who was so incredibly loving and amazing and without her i wouldn't be here i'll tell you what because i couldn't find a therapist like her she didn't exist i was her first kind of trans patient today she focuses on trans clients but i was her first so we were learning together but the, the instrumental part of that of that story is that i would go to her office Every week for 45 minutes, for one month I sat there. I did not say a word because I was that guy. I hadn't started transitioning. I was very shy. I was very uncomfortable talking about myself. And so I just knew if I didn't tell her, eh, I feel like a dude, but I felt uncomfortable to tell her because everyone prior to that would tell me, no, you're just a very masculine woman. And I'd be like, no, I feel like a dude. So it's totally different, but they had no tools. She said to me after five sessions. And every session she would say, Buck, I'm here for you. You can tell me whatever you need to tell me. And I'd just be like totally uncomfortable until the last like fifth session. And I said, you know, Casey, and I said, I feel like a man. I don't feel like a woman. And I was just waiting <laughs> for her to say, oh, you're just a masculine. She's like, I know. And from that moment on, I couldn't even believe I heard it. I couldn't. Still today, I can't believe I heard it. She said, I know, which validated my feelings, which made me say, oh my God, somebody actually believes me finally. With her, we tried to figure out how to get to that next level. And then she's the one who really was instrumental in helping me get the surgery and the hormones because back in the day, there was an actual structure. We don't have the structure today, which we can talk about in a little bit, which I disagree with. We had structure where you needed to go to mental health care first. And with mental health care, you get a note that you go to your endocrinologist, you go to your surgeon. It's a it's a thing, right? It's a, like you, you have to have these steps, these baby steps in order to make sure any person is making the right choice, especially for medical transitioning. So I took baby steps and, and with the help of her and with my doctors, they created a person who is functioning in the world today. I'm a very functioning or a giving person because I found myself. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up um, uh, kind of your therapy and how important that was to you and mental health in general, because uh, Jim and I always kind of advocate, like if you can, obviously if you have the means, because it can be really expensive, of course, um, if you're on the private road, but if you can, like I think it's just such an interesting thing to get to know yourself better, to get to understand why you are the way you are, why you act the way you do in certain situations. I think it's fascinating. I think Jim and I, maybe it's part of the reason we created the podcast because we get to have these like conversations and they're almost like therapy for ourselves, which, <laughs> which so that's just a selfish thing on our, on our, on our <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good little plus side um, of the podcast. But I wanted to ask, and because I think this is something, a topic that I think you will have had to tackle more than 
most guys out there will have. And I wanted to ask you, to you, what does being masculine mean? Like to you, when you think of a male, what does that mean? Because for Jim, for myself, my dad, for his dad, we're just guys, we're born guys, we're going to die guys. And we just kind of accept that's what it is. We never have to kind of wrestle with those terms and what that means for us. And I wondered for you what that, when you said like, when people said, oh no, you're just a masculine woman. And you're like, no, 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 I'm a guy. Like to you, what does that mean? That's right. It's a brilliant question because it means different for all of us. And I know that because I have this talk with guys all the time. And I, I, I for, for me, for me, number one thing was visually how I looked. And so that might seem really shallow, but you have to understand for a person like me, for me to even walk the world uh, and my masculinity meant, meant for me to look a very specific way. So I always dreamed to be a very hyper masculine and that's just physical appearance. So my physical appearance was, I always wanted to be like, you know, sort of like GI Joe was like my, you know, I just wanted to be this dude with muscles and a beard and, you know, be able to walk the world without a shirt. That, that seems very shallow, but but that's the number first thing that I needed to achieve of my masculinity. The second thing was I had no idea and I still don't have any idea what it means to be a man or masculinity. Again, I have learned because you two have been socialized as men. You grew up as men. You learn things as men. You're talked to as men. I wasn't. I was talked to as a female. I was socialized feminine. But even though I was still tomboy, there were still I was still looked at as a girl. So I had to sort of educate myself. And this will this might be kind of fascinating to you guys. I remember when I was youngster, I used to study you guys. I would actually study men. I would look to see how they picked up a pen, how they drank their coffee, how they walked the world, how they ate food, how they and this is something you never even think about because you just naturally present to the world. But I didn't I saw myself picking up a fork like a woman. So I said, "Oh, I got to pick up the fork this way, or I got to sit this way, right? With my legs open where they, you know, where, where men sit this way or men. And it's really a thing that I actually taught myself how to act masculine and how to be. But today for me, masculinity is confidence. That's what masculinity is for me. It's the confidence I bring to the world. It's my vulnerability. Masculinity is also vulnerable. It's me actually showing the world and showing men like you that we can be sensitive and we can be vulnerable and we can come from different spaces. So it's a question I think that no, and if, in, if one person in the world answers that question, they're full of shit because I do think that it is an actual real space that each person finds their own masculinity or finds what masculinity means to them right yeah no for i 100 agree and it, it leads me on to something um because you, you said to there how jim and i for example were socialized as men right mm -hmm. from the get-go just always this is how you are you're a boy blah 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 and um if i if i'm right i think it was jk rowling i know she's been in heat with the trans community right but <laughs> She made a point on Twitter. Um, I can't remember what the point pertained to, but I remember the point she made and she got a massive just backlash from it. And I remember my girlfriend, she kind of saw the out like the outcry on Twitter and she was like kind of just not I don't want to say jumped on the bandwagon, but almost, you know, just had that initial outcry, like, no, that's wrong, you can't say that. And I said, Whoa, whoa, let's pump the brakes. Let's just like examine what she said here. And what like the long and short of it is, I might be butchering the point, but the long and short of the of what she said was that basically like she's all for trans women, like she's got nothing against it. Like if you want to if you you know you're born a male and then you want to transition or you regard yourself as a female, absolutely no problem. But what she said was, which is what they got the backlash, that 
what they have to understand, so she was speaking specifically about um, male, born biologically male, right? And she said, what you have to understand is you haven't got the lived experience as a female because the world has seen you up until whichever point. They've always seen you as a male. So you haven't kind of been wolf whistled down the street or you haven't had your ass pinched in a club or, you know, those just horrible shit that women have to kind of put up with. And she was saying like, I'm not saying that you're not, a female from this point onwards, but you haven't had the lived experience and kind of, I guess, I think it's more extreme when you're a man, man going to a female, but I think there's also that point as well, when you're a female going to a man, you know, like you said, maybe you as a young child, you were, is more accepted for you to cry or for you to show your emotions. Whereas if you were a, a boy buck, maybe your dad would have been like, Hey, none of that pack it in. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on that mindset and on, on, on that opinion, really. Well, it's a, here's the deal. The J.K. Rowling thing is ridiculous, number one. Number two, she is not transphobic. And I'm really tired of how our, my, this community, a very specific part of the community, I want to say the whole community, gets down on people when they don't hear what they want to hear. And then they make assumptions about what she said because she even was willing to have a conversation. But these people are not willing to have a conversation. They just want to just derail her, cancel her, do whatever, because she says trans women are not women. They're trans women. And I'm on board with that. I'm not a man. I'm a trans man. Okay. I'm a man. I live that way, but me and you are not the same. And for me to actually invade your space and say, no, I'm just like you is complete and utter nonsense because it's not true. It's a false statement. So what JK was saying is right. She's actually right. They don't have the same lived experience. Guess what? I do. I have the same lived experience that JK has and JK and I can see each other because we both had that experience. I'm still a feminist. I'm a huge feminist because I was born female. I am biologically female. I lived half my life being a butch woman and getting nailed in the world. Let me tell you, I got people who want trying to kill me. I got people lighting my car on fire. I mean, I can just go on and on being a butch woman in the world. So I have that lived experience. Trans women come from another space and they need to start to acknowledge that and they're not acknowledging it, which makes the conversation difficult to have because you're not having a real conversation. You're having a bullshit conversation. And when J.K. Rowling, who basically has the, a right, just like every trans person has the right, so does every woman or man or being on this earth has the right to have a conversation and say, hey, wait a minute, I disagree with you. Since when is that a bad thing? And if anyone disagrees with the trans community, they're immediately transphobic. I'm called transphobic. That is not going to do anything, any, any of us any good, you or me. And so it's like, I don't understand this idea that we have to bow down to like trans women are women and trans men are men. How, how are we going to do that? And you know what that does? It takes away my experience as a trans person. My experience is not your experience. I have to go to a doctor with a vagina. Can you imagine? I have to go, I have to go to the gynecologist. Do you? No, you don't. You go, <laughs> you get to go have your prostate checked. I have to go to the gynecologist. We are not the same kind of man. And so this is my argument. If we start to say trans women are women and trans men are men, we have lost all nuance. We have lost not only that our medical space, we've also lost the reality that trans people exist in the world, but are not the same as everybody else. And we, we are literally 0.5% of the population. And, and it's dominating the conversation everywhere. It's, it's hurting us more than helping us. So I'm going to tell this and I say it all the time. 
I disagree with JK being transphobic. I agree that maybe some of the things she said could be hurtful. So what? Get your feelings hurt, people. Grow up. It's the reality of the way things change. And so that being said, how do we meet in the middle? How can if we ostracize JK Rowling, which we're never we're never gonna take her out, she's a this is not going to happen. She could be helping us. She, her voice is so powerful. She can literally take us to the top. But instead, we ostracize these powerful people because they're transphobic or TERFs. And, you know, it, as you see, I get very passionate about it because it's just I've done so much work in this community. And I see so much of that work being torn down with this new ideology of what it means to be a trans person. So those people don't speak for me, by the way. Book, am I right in saying then this critique that you have here is almost like I believe that to an extent uh, gender is performative or gender is a construct, but also there's just some things that is just not constructed and it, it's, it's a lived experience. That's right. Some of gender is socially constructed. There is no, remember, we, we, uh, uh, my masculinity on some level is socially constructed. The way men are taught is to socially constructed. Men can't cry. Men have to be macho. Men have to, that's a social construct. But like I said earlier, I have an eight-year-old. There are things that are innate in that kid <laughs> that I can see in dudes that I don't necessarily see in girls. But there are some girls who are just like him. There is a goddamn, <laughs> there's a variation of kids, right? Kids go in and out out of stuff all the time just because a kid wants to dress like a boy doesn't make them trans or just because a, a kid says mom i want to wear pink nail polish doesn't mean they're trans it means that they're just playing with stuff that kids have been playing with forever for generation upon generation just today we should let them just be and we shouldn't be telling kids need to be on blockers and kids no they don't kids need to have love respect guidance all of the things that make them healthy adults. And we're we're missing that point by saying we gotta medicalize kids, trans health for kids. Okay, really? I want the world, I want the trans community to explain to me what's trans children health. What the hell is that? That's like some made up political statement in order to get people to think that we need to start medicalizing children, which is completely irresponsible. Sam, you have something to say? I wanted to ask as well. I wanted to ask as well, um, just as you just touched on that topic, it's just, I, I was saying to uh, to Jim before we had this call, because we always have like a little call of just what we want to ask you and, and where we see the conversation going. And I was saying like, it's a great topic because I was saying, like, I don't even know who the fuck I am and I'm 25. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, and I was like, I don't know. Like, look, if I had like a, a biological son, right? Just like you do now. And he was saying like, oh, I think I'm a, like if I had like a buck, and he's like, oh, I think I'm a, I think I'm a, uh, a woman, uh, a man, blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But let's just, like you said, let's just play with the idea. Let's just, you know, let's do this, this, that. And I would be fully on board with them, like, if they want to transition. But, like, once they really know who they are, like you said, with the therapy, once they kind of work through their mind and they've got it locked down and they, their identity isn't like this kind of flowy thing where it's like, no, 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 this is who I am. And I, uh, I couldn't be more certain of it. And I just think... When you're like nine years old or however it may be, I don't, you, you're not certain on anything. Like one day, my dad was my favorite parent. Then my mom would give me a present and she'd be my favorite <laughs> parent. One, do you know what I mean? Like things just change so radically when you're a child to, right. to do something that is so, like you said, I mean, ultimately it can be dangerous and, and life altering at that age seems mental to me. And I know, like, obviously you can't, but if we could, like, give Buck a mag magic wand and to be like, right, this is the law, like, what 
for you with your own experience, like what kind of, I mean, we have ages on like when you can drink alcohol. We have That's ages right. on when you can drive a car. <laughs> so like if you could bring in like some sort of legislation where it's like yeah. you have to be minimum yeah. this age, what That's what like right. what do you think it is? That's right. So right on, my friend, and here we go because someone's not going to like what I got to say. Children, leave the children alone. Just leave them alone. Let them go to therapy. Let them figure out their space. By the time, I'm going to tell you this, I, 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 I go back and forth between this age, but I think by 17, even 16, you start to kind of know yourself a little bit. Now, that being said, why would you want to medicalize kids? Because you said it, you hit it on the head. Once you start to medicalize anyone, they're medicalized for the rest of their lives. That is not a joke. I have to shoot testosterone forever and ever. I hate it. I hate it. I hate being this dude. I'm not trans is beautiful. Trans is not beautiful. Trans is a means and a way to become yourself. It's not for everybody. And we have the, uh, we, we now, have evidence of the fact that people are transitioning when they shouldn't. We have things called detransitioners that are rapidly, rapidly, rapidly coming more and more every day. That should be a sign that something's wrong with the system. We do not have a system in place. These are children. We're messing. We're using them as experiments. That's what trans health is. The Secretary of Health in this country is a trans woman now. She even verbally said it in the to the world. She said trans health is experimental. She said it. So now we're going to use kids as experiment not on my watch i'm going to tell you right now kids fluctuate they go in and out of stuff so here's what i'm going to say no i do not believe kids should be on puberty blockers unless it's a very specific case the number one thing these kids need is therapy and that's not on the table they are we have gender therapists who are literally pushing transition on these children and these parents are fearful of it because they're telling parents, if you don't do it, the kid will kill themselves. This is the new mantra. If you don't let kids transition, they'll kill themselves. Well, what do you think a parent's going to do? They're immediately going to transition that kid because they don't want their kid to kill themselves. But that's a false bullshit lie. And it's instilling fear into the world. So I think what we need to do is have structure with kids. We need therapy with kids. We need, we need to let them socially transition, which means like what I did, I... As a child, I socially transitioned. I was buck. No one had a problem with it. It was all cool. So I don't see a problem with why a kid can't just be in boys' clothes, go to school as a boy, and be a boy. And everyone, you know how kids are. Kids are malleable. They're cool. If 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 I walk into the school as eight year old buck, they're all cool about it. No one cares because how good am I at football? How good am I at baseball? That's all they care about. So so I think we are doing a disservice not only to children but to parents. And to the rest of this community, we are doing a disservice beyond belief that will come back to bite us in the ass and we'll lose more than we have gained. That's how I feel. <laughs> Book, uh, thanks again for this honesty. We love this honesty. I, it's my understanding that a critique within the trans community about uh, your stance is that they think, oh yeah, no, they don't need to transition. They need to go to therapy. They think that it's my understanding that it's trying to fix the kid or something, you know. That's right. And, and but that's not what you're saying. Gatekeeping. Gatekeeping. Yeah. No, God, no, God, no. It that's called gatekeeping. They they think therapy is gatekeeping, and which is complete bullshit. And I call it safekeeping. Completely different. See how when you change the wording, see that. Immediately, it gives it a different connotation. So I think it's safekeeping. So now we're all happy about it. But when you call it gatekeeping, it's all raw. You see like an evil like person in front of the gate, like get away. That's not what's happening here. So number two, no, I believe there are trans kids. I am one of those kids. 
Number three, what I don't want to see is medicalization of children when they might not necessarily need it. So then the argument that these people try to push on me is, well, wait a minute, they've been giving puberty blockers to cisgender children forever. I go, those cisgender children have what's called precocious puberty. And it's very small amount of people and precocious puberty is not okay. And we do need to have, but now they're using a medication that they use for cisgender kids with precocious puberty on trans kids. That's called off label. (laughs) They're not even using Mm. the medication made for trans kids. They're using medication made for Mm. cancer, made for all. So how is that even legal? And how is that making you feel safe with your kid? Because I sure wouldn't feel safe with my kid if he was taking something that wasn't made for him, but made for something else. That's how willy nilly. It's very willy nilly on some level. Like, let's just throw shit up and see how it sticks on the wall. And using kids for that space. And they've been they have now they have now politicized children and that makes me sick to my stomach. It it it, it it's worrying book. It if and I guess what I, what I wanted this conversation to also facilitate is how how do we how can we improve the communication between um yeah. this yeah I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah. So communication is difficult for some people because we're being taught now to shut conversation down because back in the day, I mean, you kids are young, but back in the day, we used to have what's called conversation. Even if we didn't agree, I live for that kind of conversation. I live to have a debate. I live to like learn something new. Maybe you're going to change my mind if we shut down. So I don't, it's a difficult question you've asked me, my friend, because people on the one side are not willing to have the conversation. It's not just one side. It's all all sides. People, are, are getting their feelings hurt or they feel pissed off or they feel, you know, so they're not going to have the conversation. They just block you. They, they say shit to you and then they block you. That's, that's the new reality that we live in. And so for me, it's important that we start to just say what we need to say. Whether or not I'm going to hurt your fucking feelings or not, I'm going to say what I want to say because I'm entitled to my opinion as a person who lives on the face of this earth, just like everybody else. So I think if we start to just push through this space of cancel culture and that we're not allowed to say anything. And this idea that we're holding people accountable, our own community is holding our own people accountable. Do you know what that's doing? It's destroying our community because the outside world is like, oh, well, we don't have to say anything because they're just destroying themselves. (laughs) They're all taking each other out. So that's why I speak outside of my community and why I really, really value my time with you guys. And I value my time with outside. I don't speak in that community. They're all eating each other up. And I need to have conversation. And on some level, you give me an insight onto things that I can learn from you and say, oh, I see the rest of the world doesn't understand me because X, Y, Z. And now you give me the opportunity to educate those people who might just be calling me all kinds of names. But after they listen to your podcast, they're like, hey, that fuck dude was kind of cool. Maybe they're not all fucking wing nuts. (laughs) And that's exactly why we wanted you on, because I think I think and I'm going to try and be look at this with a positive um you know on a positive note but i think some a lot of the people in the woke quote unquote woke community i think maybe their intentions are real good and they want to like i apologize everyone for the dog he's just woken up and there's nothing i can do about his barking (laughs) (laughs) i'm just a i'm just a ventriloquist over here but yeah what i was trying to say was with that before um zazu interrupted me was i think that a lot of people in the work community or who we would class in the work community, they're trying to 
you know, further and trying to kind of move society on and stuff. And I think it's always a pendulum, right? And we always go from one extreme to the other and eventually we kind of center. Um, and, but I think that what some of the people in, in the quote unquote woke brigade don't realize is that you have people, for example, like Jim and myself, who we, I'm not saying that we're angels by anything stretched imagination, but we have pure intentions. We're not trying to offend anyone. We're not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. This is the first time in this podcast, short podcast history, that we've done a disclaimer. Um, you know, we <laughs> did a statement at the start. It was almost a disclaimer. And that's because, and we've done, we've done episodes with about pedophilia. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It feels great. like at the yeah. moment the trans topic is more controversial <laughs> or more dangerous than defending or, or talking compassionately about paedophiles. And that's being and that's being, you know, genuinely um truthful. And I think what people don't realize is is that you kind of lose like comrades for want of a better word, because people are like, I don't even want to go near this topic because this can just blow up in my face and, and I, Jim and I had the conversation before this podcast so just to be honest we said look we know like I mean we're not big enough I don't think to get cancelled per se but like we were like we know that technically we could by by touching on this topic right and I was like I know but I feel like I mean, we both agree that we feel like this is the point of this podcast is to have these important conversations so we'll go there and I, that's why I wanted you on specifically because I wanted people who maybe feel like like this topic is too touchy it's too sensitive if the minute you say anything slightly kind of against the word rage you'll be called transphobic and i wanted someone like you who has transitioned who is transsexual to come on so that people can realize like oh there is another side to this and there are people who have common sense it feels like our generation has just kind of done away with common sense and i, and I don't understand because i feel like through their good intentions they're actually doing more harm to their cause than, than, than good in reality. That's right. That's right. And I mean, you, you said so many things that I just right on uh, board with you. And I have to tell you that I appreciate that you let your fear go to the side because I completely understand. You don't think all people who have me on their podcast think that? Of course they do because they will have some people tell them, well, how dare you have transphobic buck? Uh, but you can't stop me because I have actual I'm going to use the woke words, lived experience. I actually have it. The thing they push every day. You can't say anything. There are so many people outside of our community who are allies, who are pushing some weird ass agenda because they think they have to push it. I've spoken to so many cisgender people who used to be my friends who are just like on this weird woke trans thing. And like JK Rawlings is transphobic. I'm like, did you actually read what she wrote? No, no, I didn't. I go, then how can you even make a comment on it? This is where we're coming from. People aren't even reading people aren't even looking at things for their own minds they're actually listening to whatever somebody else is saying and not looking at the whole picture this is what i have to deal with daily watch out for buck he's gonna say things i don't say anything that i don't want to say number one number two i don't say anything that i don't stand by okay i stand by everything i said and number three i don't fear <laughs> i don't fear you go ahead and cancel me give me a break i mean it's so stupid but we've created this whole space where you guys even you you two awesome dudes had to think about whether or not you want to talk, not just me, but the topic of trans. Like the fact that we can't even have a, a conversation outside of what's going on. That's changing, though. I just want you kids to know this. It's changing. There are many more people like me in my community who are fed up, who feel disgusted. I feel like my whole 
transition is disrespected from my community, telling me I can't call myself a transsexual, telling me I'm transphobic. I have done so much for this community without, I don't have my hand out asking me for anything back. I've never done anything for this community because I want anything back. I did it because I've been blessed and I'm a a guy who believes in giving back. And that's all I ever wanted to do. But to be called the names I'm called in my own community after putting my ass on the line, really physically (laughs) on the line is so unbelievable to me. That's what I want the world to see. I want the world to see the fakeness of what is coming out of this trans agenda. And it's not real. And they don't even want to have nuance. They have, they want to have no nuanced conversation. Either it's this way or it's the highway. And I'm like, good luck with that, my friends, because that ain't going to work. I had to find my space in the world. It hasn't been easy, but I did. And I'm not going to lose it because a bunch of wingnuts are thinking that we're all the same because we're not. It's like saying all men are the same. No, they're not. For sure. And talking about like groups of people, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, obviously you transitioned from a woman um, to a male. Like, how did the the male population, like, how is that? You spoke about (laughs) brotherhood beforehand. Yeah. How have they taken to you? Have they, I mean, obviously this is kind of a massively generalized question, but in general, like, how did they kind of reject you i mean did they bring you in did you feel that fraternity did you feel that brotherhood or do you still or did you ever feel like oh, i've done all this transition and i'm a man and even they don't accept me now like <laughs> do you know what i mean uh, yeah oh no no totally so in the beginning of course you know it was difficult because it, I, you know i still didn't look so masculine in the beginning it took time for me to get to this space but as i grew into my masculinity and, you know, I, I have to also tell you that my sexuality changed on some level. I became attracted to men where I never was attracted to men sexually. So I'm totally bisexual at this point, right? So then I'm just like, hey, I, I, what it was for me was the masculinity. I've just always been attracted to masculinity. Men were not cool with me being in their spaces. Just like today when you see the women talking about trans women in the space, the same thing happened to me back in the day. Men were not comfortable with me there. And I... And I this, the difference between me and the people today is that I respected that. I respected the fact that men didn't want me in their space. So I left because I didn't want to be in a space I wasn't welcome. Why does anyone want to be in a space they're not welcome? It's not cool. And I'm not doing anything but creating turmoil. So little by little, I would go back. Little by little, I would start hanging out with dudes. And little by little, dudes started to like me. Until basically my whole life is cisgender men now <laughs> who love me. Straight men, gay men, whatever. All kinds of cis dudes. They just you know, they see me as a man. And I have to say it's because I never pushed. I always just sort of dip my toe in. Hey, are you guys cool with this? Dip my out of respect for the space because I'm not a biological man and I didn't want to disrupt a space. I wanted to belong to the space. So I'm a believer of not pushing, but joining, if that makes sense, or coexisting. I always like to say I'd like to coexist with the world. I don't want to take the world over. But this, I just can't help but think, my God, like the level of self-love and self-acceptance here is huge. And I have to ask, is there, is there, is there like a, a daily practice that you have or some sort of yeah, weekly thing that, that really cultivates this? <laughs> you want my secret, dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, number one, masturbation. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Let's just be real here. No, honestly, I I always say that I actually became comfortable with my body through masturbation because honestly, I could not function in the world with my vagina. I hated it. I was like, 
I have a vagina. This is so insane. But really coming to terms, also shooting testosterone in your body, your libido goes a little bit nuts. So I, I actually learned to masturbate once that happened. And I know it sounds really kind of crazy, but that was when I realized, hey, wait a minute here. What I said to you earlier, I don't need to appease the world. I'm actually okay with who I am. And I have suffered too long worrying about what people think about me. And it's why I keep going back to the suffering thing. I believe the suffering created self-love because once I had that space where I've, I've known suffering at such a level that of death, you know, I tried to commit suicide and was put into a mental institution back in the day. And it's like, I could go on and on about the places I have been, but I learned from those spaces and I learned to say life is short. And if I'm going to be hating myself every day, you know, like I'm not going to live life. And then everyone is not going to enjoy my company because I'm going to be an ugly, mean asshole. And I don't want to be an ugly, mean asshole. I want to enjoy what I have in the world. And so you create your space. If anyone's listening to me right now, if you're suffering, if you're depressed, if you just don't find your space, know this, the universe has plans for you. And every single human being on the face of this earth has a purpose. That is an actual real statement. Once you find your purpose, whatever that is, could be making gardens all day. I don't know. You have a purpose. You will find peace, inner peace. And inner peace can only come from you. It cannot come from anybody else. It can't come from a therapist. It can't from that. Are you willing to find the demons that lie inside of you? Just spit them out, get rid of them, whatever that is. If you had, you know, turmoil when you were a kid, if you got beat up, if you got all those things, spit it out, get rid of it and move forward in the world. But people hang on to their traumas a lot and people hang on to, you know, remember that whole thing of, of triggered? I'm triggered. You said something bad to me. I'm triggered. This We're teaching people to live in a very negative space. And so I'm telling you, the only way you will get out of that negative space is to learn to accept who you are, what you've been given in the world. I've been given a vagina. Now I walk the world with a vagina. I don't cry about it. <laughs> I make money off of it. <laughs> so that's what you got to do. You got to find your space in the world. <laughs> I can't remember if it was before recording or at the very start of recording, but you said we all need to do healing. We all got to heal ourselves. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, and so I if, if I don't heal, if I don't heal, you won't heal. And if you don't see me as a healed person, how are you going to even know what healing is? And so that's why we must share our healing with the world. And we must start to share conversation. We must be compassionate about everybody's pain, not just some people's pain. Women are suffering now because they feel as if their voices are being run over by trans women. And so we need to hear, what does that even mean? What does, you know, wh why can't a woman say, I'm not comfortable with this without getting nailed? She's allowed to say, I'm not comfortable. Well, I want to know why you're not comfortable. So we won't, we won't find peace within ourselves. We won't find peace within different communities until we start to coexist and talk about what is the things that we disagree with about each other's spaces. Yeah, it's quite You're a, so right. it's quite a, sorry. So on, yeah, it's quite a controversial statement to say that both the perpetrator of a certain act and the quote unquote victim of this act, they both need healing. I'm not saying to what degree or to compare, but they both need healing. That's right. That Because nobody wants to talk about that. It's always me, me, me. It's always, oh my God, I was hurt. You know, no, you were hurt because somebody hurt you. But why did that person hurt you? Let's talk about that. What's wrong with, why are these people going around hurting people? Because they hurt inside. I know the angry trans people that come after me. It's because they're jealous of me, number one. I know that. It's envy. There's some envy there because I do have a voice in the world and I have built my platform and I do, I do function in the world 
as a normal person on some level. And I know that there's some envy seeing me. Now we have this idea that pass. So, so we have this thing called passing in our community where you, where I have made an effort to pass as a man. Now that's considered a very bad thing. Now that's considered transphobic to pass. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so you see, they're continually laying on layers of fear. They're laying on layers of what you can and cannot be. They're telling us how to be transgender. They're telling it's it's ridiculous behavior, and we cannot do that. Everyone is a human being and can, is an. I don't care that I'm trans. That's that's that part of my life. I'm a dude who walks the world and tries to make change, who comes from another space. This is These are the things we need to start to acknowledge. All of our differences are beautiful and amazing. We don't have to hate each other for it. I mean, you're so right. And I think like we've got involved in this kind of insidious game of like depression Olympics, where it's like, <laughs> who can have... Who has the, like who has the worst like and it's like but for some people like for you obviously like some people are going to listen to your story and they're going to be like yeah. Jesus like he was dealt a rough hand but then for others like for another person it might have been like they split up with their long term girlfriend everything else in their life on paper has gone all well and for them which maybe for you is like Ugh, split up with your girlfriend but for them it's like that's like flawed them do you know what I mean I think we have yes. this kind of like the futility of comparison where it's like why are we comparing things because we, we've all come from different backgrounds like granted if we all came with with like your experience then you can compare because then we've all walked the exact same path but when we haven't it just seems ridiculous to me to be like oh no but you know when people are like oh my, you know my mom's just died or my dog's just died and they're like i'll oh, grow up my mom died 20 years ago it's like yeah, yeah but right his mom's never died, so he doesn't know what that feels like. And his dog just died, and he's well upset right now. Like, why are we comparing it? And I think, and talking to your thing about the woke thing as well, like, we had these conversations, and and I think what's really good about them, and, and sometimes Jim will bring a guest on who comes from a field which maybe I'm not too into or maybe don't fully agree with or whatever, and having those conversations kind of makes you, makes you forces you to kind of reevaluate your opinions. Why do I think that is was that correct sometimes i come out of that conversation thinking the same and it has it's made me it's made me go over my opinions and i've come to the same conclusion and then i'm more even fortified in those opinions and other times i've done a complete 180 or somewhere in between right and i think the problem is with this like whole movement it's not just with the trans movements happening in all different kind of spectrums is that we're not like courageous enough to actually kind of question question our own convictions and it's like oh i just believe this and this is it now and i just want an echo chamber and i think the other thing as well that's really important and you were saying before is like when we cancel people for something that someone has said but like we're not giving them the 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 like the credit that they might have changed so they might have said some abhorrent shit even yesterday and now today they've listened to this podcast or another podcast or whatever and they go oh my god i can't believe i used to think that way do you know what i mean and and i always say like i, I come back to myself like when i was a 16 year old person i always put my try to put myself in, in as the example when i was a 16 year old kid who didn't know anything about the world i thought it was like cool to say homophobic shit like it was just like the done thing amongst lads. You'd be like, oh, I'd never do that. Oh, that's gay. Like you'd use that as a slur. Like that's gay and this, that, and the other. And then like one of my like friends from school, he was like the most macho guy. He was head of the football team, could drink anyone under the table, blah, blah. You know, all those stereotypes of what it is to be macho. He came out as gay <laughs> and I had no problem with it whatsoever. And I realized, I was like, oh, I'm not homophobic. I was just an idiot. But like, I'm not against gay people because like he's my mate and he's gay and it doesn't change my opinion of him. 
but yeah, if people judge me from that from my sixteen year old self, they'd be like, "You're homophobic." Except it's like, that's right. well, I'm twenty five now, and that's been, right. I hope there's been some growth there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't yeah. think people allow anyone to grow anymore. And I think that's really like something that we have to move past. That's right. Oh, it's be- that's a beautiful statement because I'm going to tell you the same thing happens to me in my community. I said some stupid shit twenty years ago. I said some stupid shit ten years ago. I've never said it again. I apologize for it. That's how you learn to be a better educator. You make mistakes. It's how you learn to be a better person. You make mistakes i have never said but they hold me to it like it's fucking like you know gold and i'm thinking my god people let's can we move forward now to the next thing that you know like it's just you know it's it's frustrating a lot for me to have to have these conversations and i think it's my age you know i've i've lived i've lived a life at at 58 i've lived a serious life and i think that we need that age is something and that lived experience is something and my length of experience in this community is something and i see i see something that scares me for the future of my community and that's saying a lot because i feel as if trans has become sort of like uh, like i said earlier politicized and it's become sort of like weaponized and it's become this thing that you know everyone has to jump on board whether or not they agree with it or not and i don't believe that i don't want people to be on board with me if they don't agree with me i want people to have the conversation of why they don't agree with me and why they don't feel that what i'm doing is okay because that feels very uh sneaky right or that feels very much like it's not real if people are just getting on board because it's the right thing to do that'll come back to bite us in the ass that means that they don't truly believe that trans people exist in the world if we're pushing a narrative on people without letting them have an opinion that's a dangerous place to be right right and i wanted to ask you as well um uh, maybe we maybe the, the opportunity passed, but I, feel, I don't want to let this conversation go without asking you. I've been qu- like since I knew that you were coming on, I've been questioning over and over in my mind. It's something that I've been trying to tussle with for a while, mm-hmm. um, and this is not just specifically about trans, but about like kind of hate in general. Where um, I've never understood people who get like really emotional, like as in that hatred about something that doesn't pertain to them. So whether that's anti-Semitism, racism, homophobia, like, and I'm always like, like, you might not agree with it or they might not be like your favorite people or whatever, but I'm like, if it's not in your own household and it's not affecting you on the daily, I don't know why, you know, you would come out on marches against like <laughs> against BLM or against whatever. It just doesn't make, I can't in my mind. <laughs> it. And I really want to, try to understand where that hatred comes from. And I know people throw out the stuff of, oh, well, they're scared of the unknown or they may be scared of the change. But so for someone who unfortunately has has taken a lot of hate, um, where do you think kind of that, that feeling, where does that stem from? Fear. So f- f- for, for example, within my own community, I get the most hate coming out of the trans community, which is shocking and just really depressing on some level. What I think is that people aren't thinking for themselves anymore. They're just listening and they're following, right? People follow now. That's like cultish. That's like a cultish behavior. And so I believe in our community, we sort of just follow the narrative. Nobody wants to look or read or feel as if we're, we're all, we're, here's the thing people are missing. We're individuals before we're a community that's with any community every every person belonging to that community has their own life their own way of thinking their own thing if you get together and everyone all of a sudden has the exact same way of thinking 
That's called cults. That's what cults do. And if you cannot have a different opinion within this idea here, you are in a cult. And so for me, I feel as if this this whole thing is changing into this sort of cultish space where people are too scared to have a different opinion. People are too. And that's why they hate people like me who stand out and are willing to speak against some of the things that are coming out of that community that I full on disagree with. And I, again, I keep going back to fear. There has been fear instilled in people now today because the fear of canceling, right? That was a brilliant move. Whoever created that was a brilliant move because what you did is you completely pushed people down and you got them fearful and now they're too scared to have any kind of conversation. Right. And I, I mean, we got you on here because we we find you like an inspiration and we always try to have uh have a conversation that inspires rather than puts people down and you know you said yourself that you've got like an eight-year-old son um and so like you've lived a life in your 58 <laughs> years there's been a lot of life to live yet but i mean you packed a lot in in those 58 years <laughs> i but, did dude <laughs> I, I wonder like kind of trying to uh end this conversation on maybe more of a positive note like where do you for your son for example like not saying that he's going to be trans, but just like, where do you see him and like his generation? Like, where do you see that going and, and how do you yeah. see that evolving? Oh, I see his generation as a savior. I'm not kidding. <laughs> These kids are smart. They're not inundated with social media nonsense. I think this, uh, this younger generation right here has been really screwed up from social media. And I do believe social media has a huge impact on the reason why there's so much nonsense happening in the world. And so um, my kid doesn't do that. He won't do that. I don't have him on the internet 24-7. I have him socializing with other kids. And I see how these kids are acting. And so I believe that we learned a lot from this last generation of how these the impact of social media has really destroyed thought process of way of, of thinking of all kinds of levels of things the kids are angry and mean and disconnected because they're literally on the internet all day long making youtube channels tiktok that's all that that's their social place that is so dangerous so what i see as a person who has to be on social media is i see danger and i do not want my child to be put in that space. So I think this generation has uh, has the potential to save us on some level and the potential to really bring a lot more com- compassion and love to the world, which is what we're missing. And it's, 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 it's sad that we have come to a state of being, but to leave you on a positive note, oh no, I see the future as a beautiful space. I see people have trans space. I see black people. I see it all changing. We're just in a really weird space right now that people are fighting back and they don't want, you know, people never want change. You know that people are very much just wanting to stay in the same space. And so people are fighting against change. But once we kind of really just get things and understand, remember, I'm going to go back to that word coexist. That's all I want people to understand. Trans people just want to coexist with you in the world. And so all I know is if we learn to coexist, we will create a beautiful, better, more passionate world. Book that's beautiful. Just, just to then build on this positivity, um, for last words in terms of a listener who is maybe struggling with their identity, or maybe who has a loved one who is struggling with their identity. What would you like to say? Oh, oh, my friend, don't, don't even, don't worry about it, my friend. It's, it's all gonna work out for you. Find your space, please. I beg of you, do not go looking in the community for some help. You will get sucked into some kind of space that might not be your space. Do your journey right now, my friend. Figure it out. 
get to a therapist. Start to just understand however you are feeling, whatever you are feeling, it can be. If you are feeling like you're a woman or you're a man or you're non-binary, you can have all of that. But I beg of you to find your space with a therapist, not with a community, because I do see a pushing towards a very specific space. And nobody has to be anything they don't want to be. That's a reality. Look at me. <laughs> I do not. I did not become that man you want me to be. So just find your space in the world. Take your time with yourself and give yourself a lot of love. Thank you so much, Bo. Thanks a million. Right on. That is beautiful. And I just wanted to ask you because we always finish up on the podcast with how you keep your shit together. And I mean, <laughs> you have kept your shit together. So I feel like if there's one person, we should have definitely make sure we ask that question. It has to be you. So can you just give us like some golden tips on how, I mean, the therapist is the key there, but how you kind of keep on top of your mental health, like on a daily. Yeah, right on. My mental health is everything. I smoke weed, number one. <laughs> number two. <laughs> number two. I, I stay I, I stay in a space of happiness because I refuse to be dragged. So how do I do that every day? I meditate and I really just give myself love and I say, I don't need to be part of the hate in the world. I need to be part of the love. So you can, everyone has the capability of doing it. You make the choice. Are you making the choice to put out anger on the internet today? Or are you making the choice to put out love? So just know that whatever you put out will come back to you. I'm a big believer of that. So put out some love people and that love will come back to you. I'm also a meditator book, so I love to hear that. <laughs> right on, my friend. I also, <laughs> totally... weed, but I also smoke weed, Buck, so I love to hear that as well. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, I have a cannabis company, so you know I'm all into the cannabis space. Plant medicine is the future of medicine. So There we go. Awesome. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, well, I tell you what, Buck, you've got one of the best Twitter pages, so and I know that's where you put all your information <laughs> out there and when that's people right. can find everything out. So what can you just give us your Twitter handle so that people can yeah. – I mean, obviously, we'll tag you in everything, but so that people can that's follow right. you and follow your journey. Right on, my friend. So Buck Angel. I'm Buck Angel on Twitter. I'm Buck Angel on Instagram. I'm Mr. Buck Angel on TikTok. Facebook, I'm not a big fan of, but it's there. So, you know, I, I would say if you really want to learn more of the political stuff that I'm attached to, Twitter. Twitter gets heated. <laughs> and if you're into that, <laughs> come and join us. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Beautiful. Well, I just yeah. want to thank you so much for coming on, Buck. It's, it's uh, surpassed all expectations. So I'm really happy that you gave us your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Hi guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you haven't already. Every review helps us climb the podcast charts so that even more of you can listen to our amazing guests. We really appreciate the support. Remember to tune in next week, but until then, keep safe and have a good one.